Hello and welcome to Tap the Craft, an educational podcast hosted by two craft beer enthusiasts, where we talk about craft beer in terms the everyday beer drinker can understand. My name is Denny Luce, and I'm joined by my co-host and my drinking buddy, John Ream. John, how are you doing tonight? I'm going to answer your question with another question. Oh. What month is it? This is December. That's right, December. And that means I have a beer advent calendar. Oh, my gosh. I am super pumped. Oh. And not only do I have a beer advent calendar, my wife can't count. I got bonus (laughs) advent beers. So I got two bonus beers before the advent calendar, and I'm going to have two more after the advent calendar. Holy smokes. What? She bought 30 beers for you? uh, No. She bought 28 beers. Oh, that's right. You're right. My, you know what? Yeah. I can't do math either. You, can, you know what? I need to send the two of you to the beer store, and I'll, I'll come home with 58 beers. <laughs> hey, you know what? I would def. I, I just go a, a, a nice even 60 beers for you. That's you deserve it. Two, two Why a day? stop there? You're already most of the way to triple digits. You know. <laughs> so so how is the advent calendar going? Is it is she did she get you some really nice beers? Or do you want to talk about that in the new and noteworthy? So I got a couple on the new noteworthy. Okay. Um, so far, uh, I think at least half of them I haven't had so far. Oh, good. Um, which is nice. You know, she always tries to get stuff I haven't had, uh, which is getting harder each year. Um, but uh, yeah, expanding my horizons. Excellent, so. excellent. Well, I'm still jealous because I don't have an Advent beer calendar again this year for like the fifth year in a row that we've known each other. Uh, I still don't get one. I just don't, I don't know. I'm going to have to uh, write myself a note to send Sarah some letters. It's like, (laughs) hey, it's time to go buy beer for the admin calendar. (laughs) Uh, Okay. That would be great. Just a a nice general reminder. And then she'll just, you know what? If she gets a reminder, you know what? Maybe I should just remind my wife to do it for me because she'll do it. She loves me. You know, I think she would do it. I don't know. I'm starting to question it with no advent calendar. I know. You know. I know. Well, <laughs> well, let me tell you this. She did run across. Now, maybe it was my own fault. I may have caused a problem because she was in Costco and Costco had a beer advent calendar box of beer, but it was like $60 or some ridiculous amount of price. And I said, sweetheart, please do not buy that for me. <laughs> I'm not going to spend 60 bucks on a box of beer. Uh, have you seen that uh, that Advent beer I, box? I've heard of it. Um, I haven't seen it. I haven't been to Costco recently. Okay. Um, Kristen's done the shopping. Uh, but uh, if I got away with my Advent calendar for $60, I'd be pretty happy. I'll say that. So... You know what? You know what? You got to, you just, you know what? Again, my math skills suck. And I just realized that, yeah, um, if, if your wife was going cheap, then it would be a minimum of $2 a beer, maybe a buck 50 if you're really cheap. Um, so you're right. Um, which, which would be none of the special holiday stuff. It'd be all year round brews that you've had. Yeah. Plenty of. Okay, so maybe I should send her back to get that $60 box for me. At least yeah, and then you'll just have to fast forward to where you are and go go nuts. I could do you that. Know, the first day. I, I could do that. Well, you know what, though? There is a problem, and the problem is is I won't even be home for two weeks, next two weeks. So that would be bad. I can't bring the beer with me, so I would have to, like, binge drink uh, two, you know, each week. 
So I don't want to make you look bad, but last year I was away for some time and I took the beer with me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. There might be. It wasn't. It wasn't two weeks. It was less than that. So it was a little easier. But still, I did. I took the beer with me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> noted. It's noted for uh, next year. Um, if I'm just going to keep rubbing it in, yeah, how much better I am yeah, than you, you this time of year. All right. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. Well, hey, John, before we get into the meat of the show, though, I want to ask you, how was your Thanksgiving? Were you able to drink the beers that we had talked about on the show last episode? Uh, I did. Every single one of them. Well, oh. not the Sierra Nevada. I did the homebrew, pale, okay. like I said. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I had the brown sugar with dinner. It mm -hmm. was very nice pairing. Uh, worked really well. Um my wife and I got home and we split the uh the bottle of uh the Kentucky Dark Star. Oh nice. Yes. Excellent, so. excellent. Yeah, well, um I also partook in some of the beers that we had talked about, but um my you know, my son is I'm really proud of him. At first when he first started drinking, he really wasn't into beer. He just didn't like the taste, but he you know, but he would indulge me and drink a few lighter things. But now he's really come after after helping him along the last couple of years. He's come along and he's enjoying good craft beer. And they brought um, a very nice bottle that I'll talk about in my new Norworth. I don't want to spoil it right now, but they brought a bottle that was a pretty pretty hefty. Uh, I think it was eleven percent beer, and we drank that along with my full sales that I was drinking. I told you I was going to drink those full sale festive fest beers. Um, I was drinking a few of those while I was preparing the turkey and watching football and getting all lubed up for the day. Those worked out really well. Um, and for dinner, I did drink the Hoop and Stave number two. And, you know, I, I, you know, I think I mentioned that I was a little disappointed in the number one that came out last year and I had high hopes for this second one. Uh, no, no, I won't. I, I was, I was disappointed. It, it was way, way boozy. Um, it's just too much barrel, um, bourbon barrel or whiskey barrel or whatever they, I can't remember what they use. They use some kind of a barrel, um, in there, but it was way too boozy. And even my son, I, I let him have a glass. He said, wow, dad, this thing is way too boozy. So, uh, I didn't make it to my L Smith at the end. Uh, I had too much high octane beer before then that I didn't want to throw another 11% beer into the mix. So I still have that bottle. I might savor it, save it for uh, the, the Christmas time. Maybe I'll have a nice Christmas Eve um, L. Smith coffee stout. So yeah, it'd be a good one for for another holiday. Yeah. So do you think the uh, number two in the series? The I'm gonna screw up the word if I try to say the the series. What, mm -hmm. what was it? Hoop, uh, hoop and stave. Hoop and stave. Yeah. Do you think it would have been? Uh, mellowed out a little with age, or do you think it just kind of was what it was? I think it. I think it would have mellowed if I would have aged it for a year. It would have for sure lost a little bit of that bite because just over time it would have mellowed out. But I don't. I don't know. It. It is what it is. Um, they. They just announced the third beer of the series, and I don't remember the details. But I'll tell you what. When I read what was it was in uh, what it was using. Gosh, now I can't remember. It was it was a beer that really intrigued me. I think it had cherries and some stuff, and I was like, "Wow, this one I might have to go go for," because it you know the 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 fruit that they were going to put in there along with it it intrigued me. So I may try it the third time. Maybe the third one's a charm, 
but um that's what they say yeah yeah <laughs> but i don't know i honestly john it may it may have mellowed out a little bit but i don't know if it would have mellowed out enough to to take the edge off I, i'm telling you it was one of those boozy same with the first one the first one was the same way it just was it was they they didn't blend it i think what they would have bl- now if they they not i don't know if they didn't blend it or not i'm guessing that whatever they did blend this barrel aged beer with it wasn't enough they need to blend it more like maybe use 30% of the barrel and something you know else that wasn't in the barrel because it took on way too much of the um i don't know i think it was brandy i think it was brandy booze flavor and it was just it was just too much alcohol it just tasted too much like alcohol and that's not uh good for me so oh well lessons learned Lessons learned. You can't you can't win every time. Remember that, guys out there and gals. Um, not every beer you buy is going to be a great beer. All right. Well, hey, let's get into the meat of the show. And this is episode 36. And John and I, we are recording this on Saturday, December 5th, 2015. Yes, it is Repeal Prohibition Day in 19... 19- <laughs> Yeah, 1933, <laughs> after 13 long years of not being able to drink beer or other fermented or distilled drinks, it was finally repealed, and now we are able to enjoy our great drinks. So, yes, I raise my glass to repeal day today. And uh, in this episode, I think we have a pretty darn good brew buzz topic. You know, we're bringing you some of the common beer flaws that can be found uh, when, you know, brewing beer. You know, brewing beer is not a, you know, it's not a super complex thing, but, hey, there's some times when you can get some, you know, off flavors uh, in your beer. And we're going to go ahead and describe some of those flavors and when in the brewing process that might occur just to give you guys some more education. If you taste something kind of off, you might now be able to identify it with what you're tasting. And we also have a couple craft beer news articles that we'll discuss, too. All right, John. Uh, we have already been talking, what, uh, like 10 minutes? And we haven't even told the people what we're drinking. John, what are you drinking tonight? So I'm drinking my day five Advent beer because it is the fifth day of Advent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is the Wingman Brewers Noel, uh, which is a belgian uh dark strong oh uh, no ale. way and this poured uh with very minimal head mm-hmm. uh which can be expected with yep. this kind of style yeah uh there is some some dark fruit to it uh the aroma isn't quite what i'd hope for it, it's still warming a bit though so mm-hmm. um that might improve a, a little bit uh but uh yeah overall solid beer that which i'm enjoying okay how does so. it compare how does it compare to loose cannon uh, I might give us an edge. Okay. Uh, to be honest, <laughs> I, it might be, it might be a biased opinion, but, uh, you know, I don't care. It's my beer. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. And, and Wingman, is that a Washington, um, brewery? That is it. They are a brewery out of Tacoma. That's, uh, growing pretty quick right now. Oh, so. cool. Excellent. Uh, just south of Seattle by 30 mile or so. Okay. All right, well, um, I'm not drinking something so elaborate as you, John, because I don't have a beer advent calendar. So I just had to fall back on something. I mean, I've been drinking some pretty good stuff already today, um, but I'm falling back on my my go-to beer sometimes um, when I want to just drink beer. 
And that is, of course, the Full Sail Premium Lager, the regular old Red Label Lager, man. I'll tell you, I can drink, I don't know, I could probably drink a 12-pack just sitting here talking to you. Um, it's, you know, it's pretty easy going, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to drink some beer, and we're going to talk about beer. Sounds great. Okay, John, I know we've already kind of talked about our, you know, some of the beers that we had since last episode, but you know what? There's more beer. There's lots of more beer for you and me. So, John, why don't you start us off on your new and noteworthy beers that you were able to try since our last episode? All right. So I I had these down, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take them in in chronological order. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to start off, I had uh, a nice offering from Stone Brewing, the Bourbon Barrel Aged Arrogant Bastard. Oh yeah. Uh, which I've had sitting in my fridge. I pulled it out a couple times to drink it, then something's gotten in the way. Um, <laughs> and this time I pulled it out. I said, this is a great beer to commemorate Ohio State beating Michigan. Oh. <laughs> so I did, and I enjoyed it. And um, this was actually the first time I've had the bourbon barrel-aged Arrogant Bastard. Um, we've talked about my failing of drinking the Double Bastard, yeah, which is yeah. sitting in the fridge, waiting, okay. ready. Um but you know what? I really enjoyed this. Uh, even with being aged in the barrel, uh, the arrogant bastard still had some of its edge, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, that it, some aggressive nature uh, that that's kind of brought to fame. Um, and so it was. I, I really enjoyed it, and I think I might, um, you know, grab one of these from time to time, just stick it in the fridge and uh, pull it out when mm-hmm. uh, the moment feels right. Yeah. Um, but just having one of these on hand uh, might be. Pretty pleasant. Okay. Um, was that the uh, 22 ounce bottles or in the six pack variety? Uh, it was a 12 ounce. Okay. So, okay, good. Uh, yeah, good for me by myself. Had I pulled out <laughs> the bomber of that after the game, which I had been drinking, you know, yeah, uh, pretty heavily starting at 9 a.m. here, uh, it might have been a little too much. But uh, yeah, the 12 ounce was just right. All right. Uh, all right. So now. We're into some Advent beers. Okay. Uh, and this this first one was one of the bonus beers uh, that I had beforehand. Uh, and that was Alaskan Brewing Heritage Coffee Brown, uh, which had a great coffee in the nose, mm-hmm. uh, nice coffee flavor. Um, really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, the more I'm getting into some of these uh, specialty beers, uh, per se, from Alaskan, mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying them. Mm. Uh, you know, when they just kind of let the brewers go, uh, they, they do some really nice stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, so I, I definitely recommend this one if, if you're a fan of coffee beers or, uh, even just a, a nice brown ale that, you know, accentuates these coffee notes, uh, definitely a good one to hit. Okay. So, so uh, here, here's my question. I mean, I, I want to make sure I got you before you went on your next beer, but my fee, I, there's not a lot of brown ales that have coffee in it. I mean, there's a few out there. But there's, it's not a, normally it's the porter stout that they put through in that coffee. So my fear with the brown ale is there enough body to that to handle the coffee flavor, or is the coffee flavor in that beer like milled out a lot so that it doesn't overtake the the brown ale? Uh, I, this is like an imperial brown. Okay. Um, this okay. beer clocks in at almost 7%, I think. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it's a big beer, um, and definitely can stand up with the coffee. Okay. Uh, so yeah, no worries there. Um, I, 
I could see, you know, in a, just a standard brown uh, that you might be worried that the coffee would just dominate the beer. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, yeah, this one's a, a big beer and uh, it can handle the coffee pretty okay. well. Excellent. All right. So the last one I'll talk about uh, was actually my very first official Advent beer <laughs> uh, <laughs> since uh, we we have some counting issues in this house. <laughs> And that is the uh, Dogfish Head Pennsylvania Tuxedo, which is actually a uh, collaboration between Dogfish Head and Woolrich, which is a like clothing company that oh. does like you know uh, heavy duty flannel and denim kind of stuff. Okay. Um, and uh, this beer is made with spruce. Uh, spruce dips in it. Oh, nice. And, uh, it's, uh, they call it a pale ale. Um, the beer clocks in at like eight and a half percent. Oh my God. So, (laughs) so, uh, it's, it's dogfish head, you know, not caring and just kind of doing what they please, um, in terms of style and whatnot. Uh, but, uh, this thing really comes together and, um, great, pine hop aroma and the flavor actually kind of has a raw woodiness and mm. I describe it as a, a woody sprucicity mm-hmm. um, on untap, which uh buddy Tim Price got a kick out of. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think that's the, the only reason he, he toasted the beer, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. If, if you like pine mm-hmm. and that, that kind of character, definitely something to try. If you, if you're, not a fan of pine if you only really like the citrus or you know tropical uh, IPA or hop forward beers uh steer clear of this one mm-hmm. uh, there's nothing there for you um but if you like the pine uh, it's definitely something to check out wow so. yeah it sounds awesome and i'm a huge spruce i love spruce um stuff so yeah the pine would be is I, i'm i'm excited about that one but i i can't get dogfish head but uh, if i come across in the future i will definitely pick it up maybe in your travels you never know you never know you never know <laughs> so how about you what have you had over the last uh little bit to, oh. to tell people about oh my gosh john i there is so many to ch- I, this last two weeks has been a fantastic beer journey for me and I have so much to talk about. So I'm going to split it into different segments. The first one, I'm just going to talk about some noteworthy beers. And then I'm going to talk about Black Friday, what I did on Black Friday this, this last uh, week, or week before last. So my, my no- regular noteworthy beers, I'm going to start off with the Anderson Valley Briny Melon Goza. Um, this beer is, uh, and again, I learned that the pronunciation for the G-O-S-E beer, we were calling it the Ghost, is actually Goza. I didn't realize that's what the uh, pronunciation was. But um, I love I love that style of beer. I love that uh, it typically has that salty finish we've talked about before on the show. And this beer has got, they call it briny, of course, because it does have that little salty finish, but it has melon. It's got this great melon tartness to it with the salty finish that kind of mellows the tartness out and it's so smooth and so fantastic. I really, really enjoyed this beer. John, have you had a chance to try the Anderson Valley Briny Melon Goza? So I haven't had this one, but 
you know, I got to give props to Anderson Valley because they have three or four. Oh, yeah. Gozas that they, you know, work into their rotation kind of year round. Yeah. Um, I've had the Blood Orange. Yeah. And uh, the Kimmy, the Ink, and the Holy Goza. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I just looked it up because I was curious. And they have the Briny Melon and also the a GT uh, Goza, which I haven't had, mm. uh, which I'll have to see if I can find. But uh, of these four, the Briny Melon has the highest rating. Oh, really? Uh, of them all. It's, you know, just a decimal point away from, from <laughs> four full caps. Oh, yeah. Tapped. Yeah, so. it it's it's fantastic, John. I I just you know I lately I've been picking up every different Goza I can find because I just really enjoy that style. It's a style that that I think is becoming one of the new styles that that brewers are starting to produce, and I love it. And this one, John, and all of our listeners out there, if you can get Anderson Valley and you can find this beer and you want to try a Goza, this one is really good. It's not going to be too tart. It's not going to be too salty. It's a. It's really a very, very good mix of the two. With the melon is just a very subtle melon flavor in there. I don't know how they did it because melons usually taste like water, right? Most of the time, you, 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 it's hard to get that melon flavor, but they they have it in there, and I really enjoyed it. So uh, that that's my one. I, I'm raising my, you know, raising my hands to to everyone to go out and try. Um, the second one is the one that my son brought to Thanksgiving dinner. Actually, it was the beer we drank right before thanks we started eating our our turkey dinner. And it is a Belgian beer from the brewery Brasserie de Silly, Bourbon Barrel Aged Scotch Silly. And uh, this is a Scotch Ale, a wee heavy actually. And it was Bourbon Barrel Aged, and I'll tell you what. This beer for it's eleven percent alcohol. It's a Scotch ale. I love or we heavy, which is a heavier version of a Scotch ale. Which I love we heavies. I love Scotch ale. I love big Scotch ales, and the bourbon flavor in this beer was done perfectly in my opinion because you had the the a little bit of that bourbon flavor, but it wasn't overpowering your palate. You weren't getting that booziness. This beer for eleven percent was so smooth. My son was drinking it and he was he was scared to drink it because like, wow, it's eleven percent. I don't know. We started drinking. We both downed our glasses of this beer uh pretty fast because it was so tasty and like zero hint of alcohol. Just a very s- small amount of you know that there was even any alcohol in it. Um I recommend another one. It's out right now. It will be a limited release. If you can find it in your area, it'll be in the imports because it is a Belgian beer. Uh, go find this beer because I'm telling you, it's a it's it's a four and a half to five cap rating. Uh, it's it's that good. And John, I'm going to ask you: Have you ever had this beer? No, and I haven't had anything from this brewery, but I do have a question. Yeah. And so. Scotch ales, uh, you know, they can be a little sweet, mm-hmm. and sometimes the bourbon character can come across as vanilla and kind of give some of those sweet notes. So this uh-huh. didn't this didn't end up seeming too sweet because that'd be my concern with seeing a a, a bourbon barrel aged Scotch yeah. ale style. Yeah, you you are absolutely correct that typically the Scotch ales will be a little on the sweeter side, and we do get a little vanilla flavoring out of this one, but Again, perfectly balanced. Uh, 
where it doesn't, it's not, you don't get that overwhelming sweetness or, I mean, the sweetness is, is not there. I mean, I, and I'm very sensitive to sweetness because I don't eat anything sweet. I mean, I'm not a big, I don't eat cakes and candies and cookies and all that stuff because I don't like the sweetness. Same thing in my beer. I don't like sweet beers. This was not sweet at all. It, it, it I'm telling you, it handled everything. It was like a perfect blend. So I, yeah, go, go find it, John. I am so curious of your impression on this beer. If you, if you, can find it in your area it is a little bit spendy it's like 11 bucks to 11 to 15 bucks um so but it's a it's a big bottle was it a 750 yeah um, it might have been a 750 milliliter yeah all right well i'll have to look for it um i don't think i've ever had anything from that brewery so i'm not even sure if we get that in washington okay because I, i've had a lot from the brewery and i love everything they do they have the silly sour they have i mean every all their beers have the name silly because that's the location in belgium that they're that they're at is, I guess, the town of Silly. Um, I don't know where it's at, but that's what I'm guessing. But all their beers have the the their, their name is Silly, they, and they're all, everyone I've had has been really good. Um, no, normally they're in a small, like uh, one third liter bottle, but this was in a bigger bottle. So go, yeah, go try it. Go try it. Now to see if it's here. Yeah. All right, and then uh, th- those are the two I want to talk outside. You know, of of the festival. So. I also, on Black Friday, my son and I uh, went to a special dark beer festival held by my favorite Boise brewery, Payette Brewing. Um, they've had, this is the third year I think they've had, maybe more than three, I can't remember. But I've never gone because the locations and the times that they were having it wasn't meeting my, my you know, where I wanted to really hang out. But this year, because they're doing that huge expansion, they're, they're building... Uh, a new brewery in a, in a new location in in the Boise area that's going to you know bring up their their production to a hundred thousand barrels uh, of of production. They haven't quite opened yet, but they had the parking lot done and they put a big tent and they held this festival in this in their parking lot of their new brewery, and it was free to get in. And you the the first you 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 paid for uh, tokens four dollars each for a five ounce sample and the first. Uh, when you bought your your first beer, you got uh, a little taster glass, just like the those little snifters, John, that we got at the Great Pumpkin Beer Festival. And you just went in, and there was fifty beers, all dark, well, all dark beers that were um, pretty high octane. I'm I'm, I mean, a lot of these beers were eleven, thirteen percent. Um, some were nine, but a lot of them were in the you know above ten percent. And you just gave a token, got a full, and they're filling these glasses all the way to the the rim of the glass. You're getting a full five ounce taste, and I was able to taste some fantastic beers. Now I'm not going to list all the ones I had. I'm going to list a few of them. Um, the ones that stood out to me that were really, really good. So the first one I'm going to talk about is the Payup 12 gauge Imperial Stout. They had Payup brought, um, I don't know, there was like eight different of this 12-gauge Imperial Stout. They had older versions from like 2012, 2013, 2014 that were regular ones. They had 2014 barrel-aged in bourbon barrel-aged. They also had 2015 regular barrel-aged, and they had two other special ones. They had a vanilla version and a um, Mexican style. What? Uh, now I can't think of it, but they had a Mexican uh, chocolate 
like style one. And I had both the vanilla and the, the Mexican one. They were both, both of them were good, but the vanilla was, was fantastic. Uh, I, man, John, I wish I, I went to go get a bottle to see if I can get a bottle of the vanilla, uh, 12 gauge so I can send to you and, and, uh, Kristen because I know how she loves vanilla stouts because this beer was fantastic. You know, it's, it's up at, you know, 10% alcohol and, and got a little vanilla in there. It's, it's good, but they didn't have any of the, of that beer in a bottle. So I couldn't grab that for you. Yeah, that's, that's right up her alley. And I, I have to say, as you get deeper into this, I was following along on <laughs> Black Friday, uh, just hating you a little oh. bit more every time out of envy, um, <laughs> for these awesome beers that you were having. Um, I, I was extremely jealous and mm-hmm. wishing I could, I could be there with you. Well, well, um, it, it can happen, John. Um, all you have to do is bring your lovely wife and kids to my place for Thanksgiving next year. And on black Friday, we'll go and we'll do the pay at black Friday. All right. It's a done. Yeah. You, done gotta, deal. you gotta break away from the in-laws and come, you know, come North yeah. or come. I can't I, foresee <laughs> any issue with that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, um, all the pay at 12 gauge I had, I think I had four different of the 12 gauge, no, three different, three different of the 12 gauge, the Mexican, the vanilla, and the barrel age 2015. I'd already had the other ones from previous years, so I went in with the new the new versions. All of them were great. Um, really, really good beer. Um, my best of the show, though, was was one of my favorite breweries, Heretic Brewing. They had an Evil Empire barrel age Russian Imperial Stout, thirteen uh, percent, I think it was. Uh, wow! I'll tell you what, that beer was awesome, and uh, I had. Um, you know, I think my son, I don't remember my son grabbed my, now here's the other thing too. I already mentioned that my son didn't like beer and I, and over the last three, two or three years, we have been building up his, his, uh, you know, just slowly trying to build up his craft beer tolerance and that, and he, he loves oatmeal stouts, but he's never been a big fan of the bigger stouts, you know, the imperial stouts, the Russian imperial stouts. So this is, was his first foray into that style and uh you know what i was so proud of him he hit it hard and he had some of these big big beers drank them all and enjoyed them and now he's just opened up his whole beer journey into a whole new world right now he's like wow i really like these big beers but i think he had this heretic uh evil empire uh that that was the best of the show um by far the uh, incredible flavor just really, really, really good. I love what Heretic does. And if you guys, anyone in listening, if you can get a, you know, a, a taster of this in your area, cause they do, you know, they only do it in, in kegs. It's not bottled. So, uh, Hey, I recommend going and finding it. It's good. Also, you know, John, I mentioned that, you know, I had just found out about three creeks brewing out of sisters, Oregon. Uh, you gave me a beer and then I had their, uh, you know, a couple other, other beers. I've really enjoyed them. Well, guess what? That, uh, five pines chocolate porter was here, uh, at the festival and they had, it was actually a whiskey barrel aged version, uh, really done well. I'll tell you what, I, in the last two weeks, I've had more whiskey aged, whiskey barrel aged beers than I've ever had before. Remember we had that talk that most of the time you see them in bourbon barrels and stuff. You don't really see whiskey. 
Wow, yeah. whiskey whiskey barrels are making a come. I mean, they're 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 making a scene. And I'll tell you what, I prefer the whiskey barrels uh, way more than the bourbon barrels. Why? Really? Yes. Wow. The reason why is the flavors are more subdued. You get more. You get a little bit of that that whiskey flavor, but you get a lot more of the. To me, I get a lot more of that charred charred oak flavor out of the beer, and not as much as the booziness that you get from the bourbon barrels. And I don't know, maybe because they've been used more, uh, you know, more often, and not just you know been used once and then given away. Uh, I don't know, but I like the whiskey. I've I'm in the last week I've had three or four different whiskey barrel aged ones, and I've loved every one of them. And this is the first one I had that. That really, you know, shun. It really was a, a big bright spot in my, uh, in my tasting. I really liked it. That's awesome because yeah, I I enjoyed this this beer just the normal chocolate mm-hmm. porter. Um, so it's it's great that they could can they can take it to the next level yeah. and you know it it actually enhances because um, you know not everything is better coming out of the barrel. No, so. I agree. I agree. And I already talked about that hoop and stave. That you know, two versions of that was was in my opinion crap because it was just too overdone and now I'm talking about ones that were all these barrel aged beers were perfected right they I didn't have any of that negative uh, booziness that you can get from them so the last one I'll talk about um this one wasn't at the it was at the pay, the pay at Black Friday I didn't have I didn't taste it there I actually had it at Brewers Haven um on Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday Tuesday and it's the Grand Teton. Again, Grand Teton is my favorite Idaho brewery. I love that brewery. And I love their um, their Black Cauldron Imperial Stout. This was, again, a whiskey-aged Black Cauldron um, Imperial Stout. Incredible. Uh, and, and I think it was like 11.5%, 12% alcohol. I mean, I get a big beer. Um, nice notes of the whiskey, but not overbearing. So I'm telling you, I am really appreciating the whiskey, uh, barrel aged stuff. So yeah, th- those are my big beers. Yeah. yeah now, so I, I've noticed, you know, as well, kind of an uptick in these whiskey barrel aged mm-hmm. beers. And I, I'm wondering if it's a supply issue. If mm-hmm. so many breweries now, all these uh, new breweries are, are starting their own barrel programs that there just aren't enough bourbon barrels to go around. Or, yeah. Yeah. Or if these whiskey barrels are available cheaper, mm-hmm. uh, do the demand of bourbon. I, I don't know. I'd be curious uh, to see if we can figure out an answer for that. Yeah. Um, there definitely seems to be an uptick, and uh, uh, curious as to why. Yeah. So yeah. I agree. I like we. I mean, we just had a show. I don't know, six months ago, maybe a little longer. That 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 really we told we said that whiskey age whiskey barrels are there, but they're not very prominent. And now we've. We're like doing a a 180. You know, we're saying, hey, now, you know, I mean, I, I literally, I've had four beers in the last two weeks that were whiskey barrel aged. And before that, I could probably have named four that I had in the last four <laughs> years, right? So that's, a, I mean, it's a huge change. So, yeah. Okay. I, I know I'm getting long, but I need to talk about one more beer. It's not a noteworthy beer, but we did mention it on the show. And about uh, that, that uh, New Belgium was doing a collaboration with Ben & Jerry's Ice Cream to come out with the uh, Salted Caramel Brownie Brown Ale uh, beer and the ice cream. 
that can be mixed together in a ice cream float. And since this last week, I actually was able to find both the beer and the ice cream, and I made the float, and I just want to say that um, I enjoyed it. And uh, I'll tell you this. First, I, I had a 22-ounce bottle of the beer. I poured half the bottle into a glass, and I drank that to get a feeling for the beer. And I'll tell you that the beer was underwhelming for me. I love brown ales, and because this one was called a, a brownie, salted caramel brownie ale, I thought I was going to get a little bit of salt in there and a little bit more chocolate notes. And honestly, the beer was very subdued. It didn't have a lot of flavor. It was pretty bland, in, in my opinion. I think the reason why it was blander than what I was expecting is because they planned on mixing this beer with the ice cream. And because the ice cream is also the same of the same name, it's going to have salted caramel in there. It's going to have brownies in there. And it's going to have, well, I guess that's it. And ice cream. <laughs> it's going to have vanilla ice cream. That there was already enough flavors in the ice cream that if you had a, you know, a beer that was overly flavored, maybe it wouldn't mix well. Um, so I was underwhelmed with the beer, but when I mixed the two together, I really enjoyed this float. And the reason why I enjoyed it is because whenever you have a beer float, the important key thing is you need to have an ice cream that is a higher quality ice cream that has that good cream in there that gives that creaminess that when you pour the beer in, it foams up and gives you a, you know, a nice body to this float. And with the beer and the different flavors, that caramel, that, that caramel, that salted caramel and the brownies and the, and the vanilla, it all came out in flavors in this beer. It was a very complex beer stout or float. And I really, really enjoyed it. Now, is it my favorite? No, no. My favorite will always be, as far as I'm concerned, will be Young's double chocolate stout with the Hagen Das coffee ice cream. Again, the key is to have a quality ice cream that blends well with the beer. And no, that's my favorite. But this one is pretty damn good. And I want to give a, a – I'm going to raise my glass right now, a little premature one, to our buddy Tim Price. He uh, went out. He had the beer. He went and found the ice cream, and he made the float. And he said, hey, you know what? The, there's too much going on in this beer float for, for him. He, he – he, he thought that it was a little too much, too complex. So he didn't enjoy it. But I just want to raise my glass to going out and trying something new because that's, you know, not everyone's going to like it. But if you don't try it, how do you know you don't like it? But at least he tried. So I, I wanted to raise my glass to that. So, John, have you had the beer or have you had the beer float? So I have the beer sitting mm -hmm. in my fridge. And I was actually close to drinking it until you posted about this float. <laughs> and now I'm going to be trying to find the ice cream okay. and do it that way because okay. it, it sounds like that's the way to go. So um, I'm kind of putting it on hold um, to see if I can find this or, or something similar Okay. Uh, if, if I can't find the ice cream. Okay. So yeah. that's the way I'm going to go with it. All right. I agree. I, I'm, I mean, you may like the, the ale by itself. I didn't – it was okay. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't – anything special, but I did, I do see where they, they made these two to go together. And I thought that if the beer would have been any more stronger in flavors, it might have turned the, the float a little bit negative. I think it was, it was balanced well with what they did. So 
Um, if that was what they were trying to achieve, they did, they did well. All right. Well, hey, you know what? All you guys out there that are listening to John and I talk about beer, you can go ahead and instead of just being passive listeners, you can be active community members. Why don't you go out there and, and uh, take a look at our Facebook page? It's only been going on for a few weeks, but we've got a lot of activity, a lot of good articles and, and things being posted there. And I think you guys might be able to, to get some, some extra enjoyment out of your craft beer journey just by, by checking us out. So you can find us at facebook.com slash tap the craft. Go ahead and like our Facebook page. Go ahead and like and uh, comment on some of the posts. I have the show notes or the, the actual show, um, links on there. And, uh, Chris and I, have been putting on uh, quite a bit of different articles and different interactions on there and yeah go ahead and and join the fun just want to give that little uh that little bump uh to you guys all right john it's time for our brew buzz segment and as we uh mentioned earlier in the show we are going to be talking about the common beer flaws that can be found so again um the brew buzz segment in case anyone is new to the show is just a segment that we like to devote to just teaching, educating, giving some knowledge out there to our listeners. And again, this episode we're going to focus on some some common uh, beer flaws. So, John, uh, since you are the brewing expert, why don't you start us off with this uh, this first one, which I can't even pronounce, and you, I'm hoping you can you can actually you know do it. Uh, yeah, so uh, we're going to run through these and, you know, talk about, uh, you know, what, how, how you'll know some, uh, where they come from, and for, for some of them, what you might be able to do about it. Because um, some of these, we might have an effect as, as an end consumer. Uh, unfortunately, not, not always. <laughs> um, but the, the first one we'll, we'll go over is acetaldehyde. Uh, fancy word for, uh, tastes and smells like green apples. Okay. Um, I, I've heard it also can come across as grassy. Um, but, uh, every time I've come across it, it's been green apple. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a, a compound that is, you know, produced during fermentation and the yeast, uh, will usually clean up, uh, themselves. Uh, but, uh, you know, when a beer presents this, uh, it, it's generally uh, young, um, you know, maybe just getting it too too early, uh, or uh, it could have been taken off the yeast uh, mm-hmm. before it was ready. And uh, so, you know, if, if you come across a beer that that is presenting uh, with a, a little green apple flavor, and it's it's not some apple sour beer, uh, then <laughs> uh, you can try, you know, just aging the beer uh, warm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so take it out of the fridge, uh, leave it as you know close to room temperature or even a little above uh for a week or two and and hope that there's a little yeast left in there uh that can kind of clean up after themselves and and take care of what they they wronged in this beer um so yeah it's not one you'll come across too often um at least in in commercial most Mm -hmm. of the examples i've had of it are uh homebrew Mm -hmm. um but uh it definitely does exist i have had it in commercial beer um, but, uh, yeah, you can give it, give it a chance to, uh, to clean itself up. Okay. Do, so. do you, do you think it would be more common in beers that are meant to be, or that, that are bottle conditioned and meant to be aged a little bit longer? I'll give an example. 
Um, the Schutz Brewery, they do a lot of beers that they, instead of saying best, well, I don't know, they, they have a, a best buy. So you can buy this beer like a year before it's best drank by. So, I mean, or best, uh, what, what is it? I'm, I'm losing the term, but, but I know what they do is like, they'll sell, for example, they'll sell, uh, a beer like the Dissident. And it's, it'll, they'll sell it, uh, in November of this year. But in the best buy thing, it says it, it will be best drank after this date, which is a year later. So you think that you might experience maybe some of this under fermented green apple flavors from beers like that, that are, that are meant to be aged and you actually drink them before they, they get fully developed? Uh, something like that. No. Cause that, um, that particular beer has then been aged in, in barrels to get additional character. And, you know, there's been plenty of time okay. uh, for that to be cleaned up. I, I would say, uh, probably more often it's beers that are meant to be drank fresh and they're trying to get it out of the brewery real fast. Oh, okay. Um, so maybe some IPAs, pale ales, um, you know, even maybe some wheat beers that, you know, peak early mm-hmm. and then can, can fall off pretty dramatically that the brewery wants to get it out there. Um, I'd say that's probably where you're more likely to see this. Um, okay. Just because they, they want you to have it as soon as possible. Okay. So. All right. That, that makes sense. All right. Well, hey, the next one is, John, you mention this all the time. And this is astringency. And this is where you have, uh, you know, you're perceived to have this uh, drying out or your puckering of your mouth. And it's commonly confused with, with harsh bitterness. And I mean, John, I know you, I mean, you always mention that, uh, you know, whenever we're talking about things being too astringent or not too astringent, you know, and we've mentioned that it's all been about the puckering factor of your mouth. So, uh, this is a good one to cover. Uh, yeah, it's kind of in the, in the back is where I start to, to get it in the, mm-hmm. in the back on the sides of your tongue and, and cheeks. Okay. Uh, that's where it starts for me at least. Okay. Um, right back there. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I'll agree the cheeks for sure. I think the first time I, the, the first you, you, you get it will be a little bit of a, you know, an indention in your cheeks because you're, you're got that little bit of a, a pucker thing going. So, so most frequently this is caused uh, by the extraction of the tannins from over crushing the grain or by sparging with water that is too hot, not the right temperature. Uh, it can also be caused through oxidation. Uh, or you can also get a little bit of that if you uh, add some extra spices, spice additions to the beer. And if it is due to the spice additions, you, you could actually, you know, get a little bit less of that astringency if you, as you age over time. And if it's not one of those two, then you know what? You're pretty much stuck with it. It's just a, a, a flaw that you can't get rid of. So uh, you either live with it or or maybe you can, uh, you know, you know, pass off that beer to a friend or something. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. That's not how we uh, help other people out in their craft beer journey. That's true. That's true. We, you got to suck it up and just uh, drink it down. Now, now, in your experience, John, um, is this another one of those things that that can be a problem to homebrewers? Like our buddy, Mr. Devious, Devious Mr. Matt, is is he going to possibly come across some astringency in his brewing when he's homebrewing? It is a problem for homebrewers. For him, 
right now, no, because he's using uh, extract. Mm-hmm. He's not uh, in an all grain uh, method, so okay. he's not dealing with the grain directly. He's not sparging a mash because he's not mashing. Yeah, okay. Um, but uh, when he takes that next step and becomes a real brewer and deals with <laughs> the grains that, uh, themselves, uh, it, it is something that he, he'll have to pay attention to. Okay. So, okay. Um, yeah, they're, they're, you know, the crushing the grain is a, it's kind of a weird art because there's not really a, a definitive, this is right. You mm-hmm. just kind of know it when you see it. Yeah. When you see so. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. So the, the next one, uh, I'm, I'm getting so far all the chemical names. So, so we'll, we'll go diacetyl, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, is you'll, you'll get as a taste, uh, or, or smell of like artificial butter, like, uh, butter from, you know, movie theater mm. on your popcorn, um, or butterscotch even. Uh, and this is, is again, uh, something that's normally produced in fermentation, um, but is also generally cleaned up by the yeast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's usually present in a finished beer. Uh, if the yeast don't have a chance to clean it up again, removed early, uh, or fermented cold, um, the acyl's, um, more effectively removed at a higher fermentation temperature. Mm. Um, so because of this, uh, it has a, a higher chance of being present in lagers, um, because they, those are brewed or excuse me, fermented at a, a cooler temperature than ales. Um, so because of that, uh, a lot of lager brewers will, uh, use what's called a diacetyl rest. Uh, which, you know, at the end of fermentation or near the end of fermentation, um, they'll raise the temperature up, uh, into the like low to mid sixties, um, from about 50 degrees or, or so and, and let the beer clean up the diacetyl mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, five to seven days, uh, before they kind of crash cool it and, and start lagering. Um, and that, that gives it a chance to, for the yeast to reabsorb that diacetyl before the finished beer goes out. Oh, okay. Um, this is another one that, uh, you know, because the yeast will take care of it, uh, if there's still yeast in the bottle, you have a chance that it could age out, um, if you just leave it at room temperature. Uh, but, uh, you know, if the brewery filters or something like that, you're going to, you're going to be stuck. Um, but, uh, it's worth a shot. So if, if you open up something up and you get a, a big, uh, butter or butterscotch, um, you know, give it a chance. Uh, I know, uh, the Red Hook uh, ESB used to have a, a big reputation as a, a big diastole beer. Oh, really? Um, back uh, a long time ago, uh, 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they, they've since cleaned that up. So uh, wow. it doesn't present that character anymore. Uh, but early on, that that was uh, a big a big thing. Okay. Um, so, oh. yeah, but it's one you have a chance. So those yeah. are the ones I like. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, it's, that's interesting about the Red Hook because back then when in that time frame you're talking about, that was – I mean, I really did enjoy Red Hook back then as an ESB. And now it seems like, you know, now I take it forward 20 years, it's still a good beer. I still enjoy drinking it. It's just not the same as it was when I was experiencing it you know, back in my early of my, you know, early times of my craft beer journey where, you know, that was a pretty bitter beer for that time frame, And maybe that you think that, 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 uh, diacetyl, uh, flavoring was adding to some of that. I don't, I don't know. 
I don't think it causes a bitterness, but I don't know. The flavor I enjoyed back then, but I don't remember drinking butter or butterscotch. It just... Uh, yeah, I mean, and if you, you know, back then, all these craft beers were new and different, so mm-hmm. people wouldn't have even known that yeah. that was an, an off flavor. It just wasn't something they were used to. Yeah. So Okay. It was, a, it was a good time to have flaws and figuring it True. out. True. Now, you can't get away with <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Now, so. now the science <laughs> is known. You can't, you can't deny it. It's a, it's a flaw. All right. Well, all right. Well, hey, I'm going to take on my first uh, tongue twister challenge with the DMS. With his dimethyl sulfide. Ah, not too hard, huh? Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> and this this is one of those uh, – we've talked about this before on the show when we were talking about some of the flavors you can get from – what was that? I don't even remember that thing we were talking about. Was it about the grains? Uh, I or? think it was during our malt discussion. The malt? Yeah, I thought um, it was during the malt. And some of our Pilsner stuff. Yeah, the Pilsner. Yeah. That's right. And this is a, uh, the taste of the DMS comes across as either uh, the taste and aroma of cooked corn or celery. And I've, you know, I've mentioned in some of the beers that, you know, I've mentioned that I've had some of that cream corn or cooked corn flavor. And, and even though, you know, it, it's a, it's a negative, sometimes I think to me, maybe it's a positive too because it actually tastes pretty good. But we'll yeah, say it's a, a couple styles where it could be beneficial, like a, a cream ale kind of can uh-huh. can benefit from that. But uh, okay, I think, yeah, usually the uh, the cooked corn, I think though, is a, is a little different from a just kind of a corn character. Yeah, uh, but uh, it's a fine line okay. between what's acceptable and what's not. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm definitely not an expert. I don't even know if I could even taste DMS uh, in a beer, even though I know it tastes like cooked corn or celery. Um, maybe celery, I'd be able to pull out right away because I'm not a big celery fan. So maybe I could pull that out. But uh, yeah, but we'll see. But hey, this is normally um, created. DMS is normally created in the boil uh, by heating, uh, by heat converting the the, the SMM, which is S methyl method. Oh my gosh, meth, methionine, I, Yeah, you got me on that one, John. That one. Yes. So it conver- <laughs> it converts that, uh, whatever, uh, chem- that thing into DMS. I don't even. Gonna, I'm not gonna try. It's way above my, <laughs> my science level. But uh, it says that a vigorous open boil should dry the DMS out of the wort. So, hey, you got to have a good boil. So is that all you need, John, is just boil the hell out of it and it will drive it out? Or, Actually, or, yeah. Okay. That's it. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, simple. Yeah, it's pretty pretty simple. So in a weak, short, or closed boil can result in DMS being left in the beer. So the SMM is naturally found in the malt. Like John said, it's a, it, it's a process a product of the malt. So as John also mentioned, Pilsner malt can contain up to eight times the amount of SMM as the pale malt. And maybe that's why uh, it can be a, you know, a, a bad flavoring from uh, Pilsners. Uh, this makes DMS more common in lagers, and many lagers will have a longer boil to account for it. So nothing for the beer drinker to do but to enjoy the corny beer. So basically, if this is left in there, during the brewing process, you're stuck with it. Enjoy the corny beer, <laughs> and and you know what? I don't know. I we'll see. I I haven't. Luckily, I don't think I've experienced too much corny beer that I haven't enjoyed. So we'll see. 
Yeah, I don't think I've had anything that's super over the top. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it does exist out there. Um, and un- unfortunately, if, if you get one, there's not much you can do because it's, it's all about the heat. Mm-hmm. And uh, taking your beer up to that kind of temperature is uh, not going to be pleasant Yeah, <laughs> if you're going to try to get rid of it. So, um, yeah, just try to, try to enjoy it or uh, just get rid of it. Be a, a, an elitist mm. or, a, a, you know, just a particular guy. Know what you want and uh, what you don't. So, oh yeah. Uh, all right. So the next one uh, is going to be real familiar to a, to a lot of folks, I think, and that is a, a light struck beer or skunky beer. And uh, you know, from from the name, it it tastes or smells like a skunk, mm-hmm. and uh, it's because it's a, the same compounds that a skunk uses uh, for defense <laughs> can be created uh, in the beer, and it's when ultraviolet light uh, reacts with. Uh, hop compounds that are that are present in the beer and uh you know this this light reaction uh happens when you know beer is stored in a in a clear or green bottle and uh you know exposed to these these uv rays Mm -hmm. um a brown bottle is going to help filter that out uh you know it doesn't filter out everything so if it's left you know for long enough this can still happen um but but it'll it'll severely slow it down Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, there's actually, uh, some beers that use, um, uh, kind of an extract or, uh, an altered, um, hop compound in the brewing process that, that are okay, uh, to be left in a, um, a clear bottle. I know, um, Miller does some work with some of these Mm. uh, compounds, so they don't have an issue with it. Um, but it's also for beers that, that don't have a lot of hop character, uh, the, the hops are just there to, to not make it super sweet. Um, but, uh, you know, the best thing you can do for this is just keep your beer in a cool, dark place or, uh, don't buy anything in bottles. Just get cans or kegs, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's uh, the way to deal with it. Um, this, this is really just take care of your beer and hope the distributor and, and the store also took care of your beer. Yeah. So be, yeah. be particular with your, uh, retailer. Yeah. Yeah, don't buy the bottles uh, that are right in front of a big bay window with the sun shining in on them. <laughs> um, that that would be not a positive thing. All right, so like the light struck and the skunky, the next one is oxidation. This is one that you've probably come across more often than not. You know, of all the ones we've talked about, I'm going to guess light struck and oxidation are two that you've probably have tasted. So. Oxidation, we've mentioned in previous episodes when we talked about this, is can be perceived as paper or a cardboardy or even it can come across as a, like a sherry flavor or even a musty character uh, in the beer. And it's caused by oxygen reacting with the various compounds in the beer. Uh, and, and the oxygen will, uh, as it's introduced, normally it's introduced during the, the well, I guess it could be any time... Uh, I guess normally it would be bottling, right, John? It's when oxidation would be brought into the beer at, at the. Yeah, that that's a, a big big factor because uh, you know yeast wants some oxygen, um, so it'll clean up oxygen in the beer mm-hmm. uh, while it's fermenting. So uh, oxygen post fermentation or late in fermentation uh, are, are is a real problem. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. So, so it can be, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of the, the points at 
during the brewing process where the oxygen becomes, you know, you can put it into the bottle during the bottling process. And then, of course, the next thing is if the caps, if you're using bottles, if the caps, you know, they will slowly leak over time, will leak some oxygen in if they're not, you know, capped securely. Um, You know, those are some of the key areas where you'll get oxidation into the beer. Uh, With cans, the same thing. You can... put can you know oxygen into the cans but they're i think they're a lot more less prone to having an oxidation based on the the as long as it has a good seal uh your beer is going to be good and you're not going to have as as bad of a oxidation uh problem but yeah a can is definitely what you receive from the brewer is what you get yeah it, it, it won't uh, have a problem unless they just can't seal the cans in which point You'll just have a flat beer. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. You have a flat beer, so you won't be drinking it anyway because it'll be tasting like crap. So <laughs> it works out. But the the key is, uh, if you want to try to reduce the amount of oxidation that you can have into a beer, hey, store it cold, uh, and that will slow down the oxidation process within the beer itself. So just put your beer in the fridge, and you'll be okay. So you can control it yourself if it wasn't already ruined by the brewer. But hopefully, it wasn't <laughs> ruined by the brewer. Yeah, and this is one of those, uh, you know, similar to like the corn where a little bit uh, can be okay mm-hmm. for for that. Um, but, you know, some of the sherry characters uh, are actually uh, wanted in, in things like a, a barley wine, an aged barley wine. Mm. Um, so this is one that's not always bad. Okay. Um, but in the majority of styles, it would be uh, definitely a flaw. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the next one uh, is phenolics. Um and this it will come across as a, a like a band-aid character or a medicine. It can be like a mm-hmm. cough syrup type mm-hmm. thing. Um, this can be caused by poor sanitation that's that's allowed uh, bacteria or wild yeast uh, to be present and, and uh, kind of take over from uh, the main yeast and, and produce this. Uh, it can also be caused by brewers using a heavy chlorinated water, um, mm. which you know a lot of people do have you know, pretty heavily chlorinated water that mm-hmm. they, they drink. And, you know, if you can taste the chlorine, uh, that's going to be a problem if you brew with it. And so that's why a lot of brewers will go ahead and use a carbon filter mm-hmm. uh, before the water hits the kettle. Um, and that'll strip out a lot of that chlorine character, most of it, um, and take care of it. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this is one that if it's there, uh you're most likely stuck with it. You can try aging it, but, uh, odds are uh, it is what it is. Um, but, uh, you know, similar to oxidation, that sherry character, you know, there are phenolics that, uh, can be pleasant. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get some clove or, uh, even a vanilla or, uh, a smoke character. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of that can be appropriate in a Belgian style or even the clove in a German Hefeweizen, uh, would be, an appropriate uh, character to have in your beer. Okay. Uh, so it's another one that's not always bad, but when it's bad, it's really bad. <laughs> um, so, and, and you'll know right away um, that, that you've got it. And uh, you know, it, it's unfortunate. It's, it's one that you'll probably just want to dump out uh-huh. to be honest. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Well, talking about dumping out beer, the next one solvent, like, I, you know what? If I have any beer that tastes like I'm drinking some kind of a solvent, 
guess what? It's being poured down the drain. I am not going to drink that beer. But in case, you know, you don't know what solvent-like is, it can be perceived of the taste and aroma of, like, turpentine or acetone. You know what? Go to your wife's uh, fingernail polish remover and uh, take a whiff. Uh, if your beer smells like that, you better just pour that sucker out right now because you do not want to be drinking that. Uh, you'll know it's a solvent. So um, this can be caused uh, when the brewer is under-pitching the yeast. He's not providing enough oxygen or fermenting at a high temperature. So it's all based on uh, on the yeast you know, being able to do its job. I guess you can uh, you can age it out of some beers. What John? What do you think your your success rate of aging solvents out of your beer is that is that a high uh, success or a fairly low one? Uh, I'd say it's higher than a phenolic. Okay. Um, but uh, you know it's it's still not great. Uh, a lot of those alcohols um, are, are really unpleasant. Uh, and it's got to be, you know, unfortunately, they're they're present in a lot of big beers, but you also need a big beer to be able to age it out and have some of those other fla- other flavors kind of uh, take over. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, if you've got more than one and you, and you crack it open, I'd say at least give it six months or so before you crack into the next one. And if, if that wow. still is presenting, just get rid of them. Um <laughs> It's not going to be enjoyable, uh, you know, if, if it's at at a high level. So okay. uh, it's unfortunate, but you know, thankfully, I'd say these days most brewers are above average. Um, you know, I I think these kind of flaws are are less present yeah, today. Yeah, than, I agree. because you the the end consumer uh, is uh, a higher quality than it was five, 10 years ago. Um, just because of the options that people have learned what good beer is mm-hmm. and you, you can't exist as a brewery for very long unless you have good, clean beer. Yeah. Um, so thankfully a lot of this stuff isn't widely present anymore. Um, but, uh, you know, you still gotta be aware and, and, uh, sometimes you can do something about it. So <laughs> I, I honestly, I, I guess I, I've been lucky. I don't, I don't believe I've ever had a solvent like beer. So I, I mean, I've had some other negative beer thing. And, and what's interesting is like some of these, these flaws that we've tasted that we've mentioned, I may get them in a one off beer where I have one bottle that something wasn't done right. And it tastes off. But if I have another bottle of the same beer, it'll taste okay. And I know that some of our friends and listeners have also experienced the same thing. They'll have a bottle of a certain beer that they love, and they realize, wow, this beer tastes off. But they'll dump that beer, but then the next bottle they open will be okay. So, I mean, most likely that is is, is not necessarily – hopefully, if it's in the same six-pack, it's not a, a brewing thing. It was probably a bottling thing where you had – something went wrong in the bottling process. Um, but if it was in a whole six pack, then maybe that whole, you know, somehow that whole batch got, you know, corrupted and, and tastes like crap, but you buy another six pack down the, you know, a month down the road, it, it'll taste normal again. Hopefully no brewery has that, that flaw, but 
Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel pretty lucky that I haven't had to experience a lot of these these flaws in in craft beer. Yeah. So the the last one we'll we'll cover uh, is sulfur, um, and you know that's a taste or aroma of rotten eggs. I think a lot of people have been exposed to to a sulfur character at some point. Um, and these these co- sulfur compounds are produced naturally by the yeast, um, but uh, can also be caused by yeast autolysis, uh, which is uh, dead yeast cells that are, are rupturing and basically uh, everything they've absorbed. Um, you know, we've talked about them absorbing, mm-hmm. you know, diacetyl or acetaldehyde. Uh, all that will then just be released into the beer. Mm. Um, and, you know, it, it takes a while for that to happen. So uh, that's not usually a cause for a commercial brewery because they got to keep turning tanks and beer usually doesn't sit that long on the yeast. Um, uh, but uh, bacterial spoilage is another thing that'd be, you know, poor sanitation, um, mm-hmm. which unfortunately can happen. Um, but uh, because it's naturally produced, uh, there are some yeast strains that, that will uh, naturally produce more of it than others. And again, uh, lager yeast uh it, you know, lagers can present this problem. And, and some uh, lagers, actually, people expect a little bit of sulfur in there. Um, personally, I don't care for it. <laughs> um, but uh, the good news is this is one you can do something about. Uh, however, for once, it's not put the bottle away for a while. Uh, this won't age out in the bottle. Um, this is one that needs to be uh, just mm. expressed out of the beer. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if you pour the, a beer in your glass, you're getting a lot of sulfur, uh, just let it sit for a few minutes and, uh, try it again. Um, so sulfur is just something that needs to be driven out of the beer and, you know, a lot of that carbonation that's coming up, coming out of the beer will take that sulfur with it. Okay. Um, so over time, once you put it in your glass, your sulfur levels are, are going to decrease. Hmm. Um, and at a certain point you just won't be able to notice it anymore. Okay. Um, so, so there's a way to, to take care of that one. But, uh, you know, once again, yeast is, is the culprit. And, you know, you can see that uh, brewers really need to take good care of their yeast um, to, to present a, a good product. So mm-hmm. it's a really important uh, aspect of, of the process. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know what? Again, I've never had sulfur in my beer. But now I know if I do, <laughs> if I do have some uh, off rotten egg flavor, you know, smells out of my beer. I'll just let it sit out, let that uh, carbonation release it. That's a good, get some good advice. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, that's our Brew Buzz segment. And we hope that you're now more educated on the common beer flaws and what you can do if you do have a beer that does have one of these flaws, how you might be able to mitigate the effect on your palate. Uh, and, hey, that's what we're here for, to help you through the bad times as well as the good times. But talking about good times, on our next episode, episode 37, we are going to have another listener participation tasting notes segment. And this time I'm so happy. It's going to be a beer that I love and I drink a lot of. We're going to go and we're going to do a tasting of the Widmer Brothers Burr. Yes, the winter warmer Burr from Widmer Brothers. I think a lot of people can get it throughout the nation. So go grab a six-pack. I'm not saying one. No, grab a six-pack or a case, whatever you want to grab, because 
this beer is fantastic, and you will want to be a part of our Tasty No segment next episode. So you've had so much of this. I'm going to challenge you to do this tasting notes without a beer in front of you. Without a beer? <laughs> what the hell? No way. I'll be Come on, you've had so much. You can just tell me exactly what's in there, right? I, you know what? I I honestly don't think I could even tell you what it tastes like because it doesn't last long in my glass. <laughs> I suck this stuff down pretty fast. I mean, I've already like I've already told you guys I drink a lot of the burr already this year because my wife just keeps bringing me more six packs. Um, but I, I'm going to have to sit down before we do the tasting. I am going to have to sit down and I'm going to have to really study the flavors so that I can have some real solid stuff to talk about because man, I'm telling you, I like today I had, um, a frame Goza and I was, I was, tasting it. I'm like, wow, I'm having trouble getting these flavors out of this beer. I knew I had a little bit of this lemon and some some tropical fruits, but I couldn't specify what fruits I was tasting. I just have to say, yeah, it's fruity. Uh, and you know what? I hate that I'm just not that good of a palate that be able to, to isolate exactly it's tasting like, you know, pineapple or, you know, I just can't call out those flavors and then there was a at the end the there was uh oh no i I had a saison too later that that today um and i had it had some good clove or some coriander and a little bit clove a little bit peppery but then to finish there was something in the finish i for the life of me i have no idea what that flavor was i enjoyed it but i can't tell you what it is so um it may take me a six-pack before I can actually get all my notes down where I can actually describe what this beer tastes like, even though I drink so much of it because I suck at doing these tastings. Well, you just need to drink more uh, great beer with friends yeah. and talk about it. Yeah, you know? we should. All right. You got to come over more, John. What the hell? Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, you know what? We do have a couple of news articles. We are getting a little bit long. We won't talk too much on them, but hey. Um, let's talk about the first news article. This was uh, provided on the Facebook page by our buddy Chris McKenzie. Thank you, Chris, for providing this fantastic article. And this article is is uh, titled, Craft Brewers Say New FDA Mandate Will Limit the Beer Selection. And what this whole article was based on, of course, this article came from the New York Post. So, the New York Post was focusing on New York City. So I don't know how this is going to affect the rest of the nation. I'm, I'm assuming, you know, FDA is federal. Um, so I'm assuming it's going to affect all the cities. But uh, this article was really focused on New York City's effect right now. And what it was saying is that the FDA is going to mandate by a year from now, next December 2016, that uh, restaurant tr- chains offer full nutritional information for beers on tap. That's everything from calorie counts to protein content. So you know how most of these chain restaurants, you know, the Applebee's, the Chili's, the, uh, what, Red Robin maybe, uh, Ruby Tuesdays, you know, all these big chains that are across the nation, um, you know, they're going to, you know, most of those chains list the, nutritional content that they can have in their foods. Well, guess what? Beer is now added to that. And this is a problem. This is a problem because 
not not necessarily for domestic or for big beer because big beer has big pockets that they can pull out money and they can get the testing done. But um, this rule will force the breweries to do expensive tests to keep their beer flowing at places like I said, like Applebee's, TGIF Fridays, uh, you know, other sh- things. Um, the lab work can cost more than six hundred dollars per beer and takes weeks to complete. And uh, the big manufacturers, they don't have a problem paying the money because they've got, you know, lots of uh, lots of cash. But the smaller craft breweries, the local breweries, all that New York City uh, local breweries that they're trying to promote and get more people to drink, they're going to have to fork out a lot of money if they want to have a lot of their beers to be able to be served at these big beer restaurants or big box restaurants or, you know, these these global chains or, you know, the Olive Gardens and all that stuff. Yeah, it's an issue, but honestly, I don't know how big of an issue it is because every big restaurant chain that I go to, if if I'm lo- if if I'm looking for a craft beer type offering, they're going to have a Boston Lager, you know, Boston Beer Company beer, or they're going to have a Blue Moon offering, right? Other than that, they're going to have the Coors Light, the Bud Light, the other stuff. They're not going to – most of the big ones in my area, they don't have good beer. I don't drink beer when I go out to a, a big chain restaurant because I don't want to pay the premium price for, you know, a beer that I don't really deem as a premium beer. So what I'm thinking is that, yeah, is it going to hit these smaller breweries? A little bit. But if there are some of these bigger – restaurants that are trying to bring in local beers um you know what my local beer breweries they have one or two flagship beers uh, per brewery they might want to put out the money to to get the the nutrition value and have those beers served but they're not going to have their whole line they're not going to go and bring seasonals in and stuff uh you know maybe they'll have their their Outlaw IPA, or they'll have their Sockeye Dagger Falls IPA, or they'll have their their uh, you know their Stout or the Porter. They'll have one or two flagship beers that they spend the money on, and they'll have them at the restaurant. But the most of the restaurants are probably going to already have the bigger domestic beer offerings anyway. What do you think, John? Do you think this is going to hit craft breweries hard, or do you think it's just you know not a big deal? I think on the surface, this one seems rather innocuous and mm-hmm. I think a lot of people listening say 600 bucks that's not that much for, yeah. for a brewery um, but uh, I think the important thing to remember is beer is a volume game and you know a lot of these small breweries like a, even somebody with a 7 barrel system that's uh, 14 kegs uh, like standard you know half barrel kegs and uh, each of those will, will retail for 125 bucks maybe Uh so, you know, you're at 1400 bucks, uh 1800 bucks, something like that. Well, 600 bucks is uh one third of that. Yeah. And you're lucky if you make a third of that on, on those kegs that go out your door. Um so, you know, th- for any kind of one-off beer, uh it removes these restaurants as as a place that could you could sell to. Mm-hmm. Um and there are certain uh, chains that do like to focus on, on the local. Um, I know Ruby Tuesdays likes to try to, um, you know, put themselves in in the local community and focus on the community. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I think 
in addition to that, a lot of breweries would see this as a, as a slippery slope uh, kind of um, legislation mm-hmm. that, okay, for now it's, it's chain restaurant. And how do you define that? How many, you know, locations do you have yeah. to have before you, you know, can't sell that? Well, you know, if you've got a local chain that has, you know, three to five places, can you no longer sell them? Um, because you don't have this lab work done, um, on your beer. Uh, but, uh, you know, how soon before this is opened up to, to all restaurants yeah. or yeah. any place that serves beer. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and now you've got to have it on every beer, which means you're going to have to choose, uh, what, what you send to the lab, what mm-hmm. you sell, um, because you're not going to be able to sell anything outside your own door um, without the lab work and, mm-hmm. and how soon before you can't even sell anything in house in your tap room without yeah. the lab work. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think there, there's a concern about what, what does this look like in the future? Um, but, uh, you know, on the surface for this, for how it's presented now, it, it, do I think it's a problem? No, I, I've, I've never seen any, any beer, from a brewery small enough that this would negatively impact yeah. at a place like like these, the Applebee's, the TGI Fridays. I've never seen a beer from a brewery that that couldn't afford six hundred bucks mm-hmm. uh, for for a brew. Yeah. Um, you know, the other question is, d- does it need to be every time you brew, um, oh. or can you can you do it once and say, well, this is how we brew this beer every time? Yeah. And, and this will be how it is. Um, if it's every time, that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, because that's 600 bucks that you, you just can't get back. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, if it's a one-time sunk cost, uh, well then there's, there's ways around it. You just got to make sure you have plans to, to keep that beer on the menu. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I can understand how some folks are, are concerned about this. Um, at least for, for what it means for the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no. I agree. Um, it might just be the, the first step in legislation that, that moves into a smaller area, right? If the breweries now to be able to serve beer at their local establishment has to have this test done on all their beers, that's a big issue because now these breweries, they can't be doing, you know, special beers, one off things, you know, experimenting because they can't afford to pay that 600 bucks just for a, you know, for a small batch brew, uh, that would be devastating. But I think right now the way, I mean, it, it might be opening a door to worse things in the future, but right now, yeah, I don't, I don't see a big, a big deal with it. Um, most, you know, most places, I mean, I'm actually shocked that it's not required to have beer served even or, uh, purchased at supermarkets. I mean, look at, Look at the food we buy at Serb Market. Everything has to have nutritional value or what, you know, on the label of all the food we buy nowadays. Why doesn't, why isn't beer and soda and stuff already have that incorporated? Which I don't want it to. I don't need it. You know, we all know we're not drinking craft beer because we want to save calories and, and, you know, and lose weight. We're drinking craft beer because we enjoy the flavor. You yeah. Know, well, we, uh, soda does have nutritional oh, does impacts it? on it. Um, okay. But, you know, Beer, wine, uh, liquor—that's all sin. It's so. all sin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, yeah. We. I mean, 
it, it does seem a little ridiculous, but uh, I don't think it's the end of the world. I think we'll be okay. Let's just keep pushing on. Uh, and thanks, Chris, for bringing that article to our Facebook page. Got a lot of interactions on the page from different people to the Laney brothers. Thank you, Matt and Josh, for uh, chiming in. You know, it is kind of BS. I, we agree. All right. The next article is a little bit of a fun article. It is also provided by our buddy Chris McKenzie on our Facebook page. So, hey, go leave comments. Let us know which of these holiday beers that you enjoy yourself. So this is the 15 best holiday beers that was provided by the Men's Journal. And we're just going to kind of quickly go through the 15 and just talk about, you know, what we know about them or if we like them or had them or whatever. So the first one that's on the list is from the 21st Amendment Brewing, which is uh, in the San Francisco area, which I love uh, 21st Amendment Brewing. And this one is called the Fireside Chat. It's a winter warmer style. Fireside Chat, I have had this beer, and it is pretty good, but it is a spiced beer. John, have you had the Fireside Chat? I have. I, I enjoy this beer. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I this one, it's been uh, at least a year since I've had it, and I think it can be a little aggressive for mm-hmm. some people. Yeah. Um, but uh, I enjoy it. I, I think it's it's nice, especially if you kind of get the right environment for it. You know, cold night, you know, something to warm you up, kind of deal. So mm-hmm. okay, excellent. Yeah, I agree. I it's it's one that I don't want to buy. A f- I think it comes in four packs, or I don't know if it comes in six packs or four packs. It comes in four or six packs. It's it's one that I don't want to buy a whole bunch of them. Uh, I'll buy one or two here and there, and I'll enjoy it. But if I have any more than that, it's just the spices just wear on me. It is it is a little bit heavily spiced, so I'll I'll leave it at that. All right, the next one on the list is from a brewery I've never even heard of. It's called Flat Twelve Brewing. Have you heard of this brewery, John? I haven't. Um, but they're they're out of Indianapolis, so uh, I feel like I should know it as a okay. Midwestern. Okay. Person. Well, this, this, the style of this, because so the beer is called the Glazed Ham Porter. It's an American porter style. It says that this is a black, smoky ale that features cloves of the classic holiday ham, but it's light on the overall spicing. It makes the chocolate brew more similar to the Alaskan smoked porter than a typical winter seasonal, and it smells like a spice rack. So, I, I don't know. I'm kind of intrigued by this beer because, for one thing, I love porters. Uh, a second thing is, um, I love ham. So if, if it's, if it, if it, if it uh, looking you know, for that pork beer, yeah, looking for that little pork beer. Um, and if it is lightly smoked, uh, the Alaskan smoked porter is actually one of the smoked beers I actually enjoy. Um, if it's kind of plays a little bit to that, I might enjoy this beer. So I might need to look for this in the future too. All right. The next one is, uh, out of Odell Brewing. It is the Isolation L, and it's a winter warmer, and I have had this beer. And honestly, um, to me, it's a little underwhelming. Uh, John, have you had the Isolation L? I have. Uh, it's decent. I, I don't think I'd rate it in my top holiday beers. No, but. no. Yeah, it definitely wouldn't be in my top holiday beers. I I just think that, uh, I don't know, it's it's an amber ales type style, and it I don't know, I just doesn't, it didn't, it doesn't do anything for me. You know, I've mentioned this before on the show, and John, you probably are, you know, know, you know, Odell Brewing is hit or miss. I either love the beer that they produce or I hate the beer that they, you know, produce. And this is one of the ones that is just, 
you know, underwhelming for me. So I, again, I wouldn't rank it in a, in one of my top winter warmers. I, I'm a winter warmer fan. I love winter warmers. Uh, but this one, yeah, it's a little bit, you know. Yeah. I, I'm higher on Odell's than you are. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, this wouldn't be near the, the top of the list. Um, for things I would say, hey, I want you to check out Odell's in this one. You have to yeah, have. yeah. So. Okay. All right. So the next one, though, number four, this is a beer that we have actually done tasting notes on on previous episodes like a year ago, and it's one of my favorites, and I've already drank a minimum of a case of this beer uh, this year, <laughs> and it's the Deschutes Brewing Jubilee. Uh, this uh, is a winter warmer. It is a it, I'll just read what they say. It's a, it's a complex brown ale that matches the dark dried fruit and roasted flavors to citrus and earthy spices without any ingredients beyond that it shoots inventive barley and hop choices. And you know what? Um, I absolutely love Jubilee and I drink, like I said, I drink a ton of it every winter because I, you know, I can't get enough of it. John, do you enjoy Jubilee also? I do. I haven't had any this year yet. What? Um, I need to remedy that before it goes away. But, oh my uh, gosh. well, you know, I, I got to be careful not to buy too much before my advent calendar arrives. I don't <laughs> duplicate effort. You know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I got you. I got you. No problem. All right. Well, say, so Jubilee is definitely on our high list, uh, to get the next one. Number five is from Avery Brewing. It's called the old Jubilation and it's an old L. Um, I've never had, I don't think I've ever had the, the old jubilation. Have you had the old jubilation? I have, and I, I enjoyed it. I okay. uh, gave it four star or four caps. Oh, wow. Uh, on tap. So, yeah, well, uh, th this is definitely a winter warmer because 8.3% alcohol. Yeah. That's what you look for. Yeah. You know. <laughs> warm bones. Yeah. It's going to warm you. It'll warm you up. All right. Excellent. So the next one is from victory brewing and it's called victory cheers. And it's, a, they call the style a German Hefeweizen. Wow. Um, I need to look on untapped if I've had it. I may have had it before. Um, but it's, it says that, uh, Victory gets a lot of well-deserved attention for its hops, Latin, Prima Pills, Dirt Wolf, Hop Devil IPA. But for years, it's also been brewing a top-notch German wheat beer. The latest, Winter Cheers, is an amplified take on the style to help you fortify yourself against the cold. Clocking in at 6.7% alcohol, Victory added juicy American hops to complement the traditional banana and clove flavors of the L. Hey, you know what? I love a good banana and clove Hefeweizen. So, I might enjoy that. So, I have had this one. Um, but uh, wheat beers aren't at the top of my list. Uh, so I, I didn't rate it as highly. Um, but, uh, you know, it definitely hits the, all those notes mm -hmm. as, as a wheat beer that, you, that you're looking for. Okay. So. All right. So here's another one I've had. This is number seven. It's from the Hopworks Urban Brewery out of Portland, Oregon. It's called the Abominable Winter L. And a style, which is a little bit, you know, different. It's an American IPA. Um, and... If I remember correctly, it's it's literally an, an IPA. It's not really to my – I don't really – I mean, when I drank it, it was a good beer, but it wasn't what I expected in a winter warmer. So it was a little bit underwhelming in the winter warmer side. John, what is your experience with this uh, abominable winter ale? Have you had that? Uh, yeah, I've had it a few times. I enjoy it. Um, 
you know, a winter ale, I think it, it's kind of open-ended mm-hmm. in terms of what it is. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of people look for uh, spices or, or just high alcohol, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, barley wine type of, of beer. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of beers that are more hop focused and honestly, uh, Burr is one of those, yeah. even though they described it as a, uh, an American strong ale, mm-hmm. uh, Fitting in with our our last style talk for the uh, Imperial Red from Alaskan that we did, mm-hmm. um, but you know, just hoppy beers are, are another one that that folks associate with winter. They they can be big um, in terms of alcohol. I think this one is over seven percent. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but I I really enjoy this beer. It's another four capper for me. Wow, so, wow, yeah, it, um, yeah. It's a good beer. It's just that. It doesn't, like you said, it doesn't match my interpretation of what I want to have a winter ale. If I want to have an IPA, I, I'll have an IPA. But <laughs> All right, John, uh, the, the number eight uh, is from Boulevard Brewing, and it's called Snow and Tell. It's a Scotch ale. And I have, we do get Boulevard here in, in the Boise area, but I have not had this beer. Um, have you had this one? Uh, I haven't. I think it's new. Uh, for this year. Oh. And uh, I'm hoping that it might be in my box. Yeah. My, me, uh, my me. advent calendar box. Okay. So. Okay. I'm, ho- <laughs> I'm hoping I'm going to find it in my local beer shop because uh, let me just read it. It says, you're right. It does say it's new for 2015. This is Boulevard Snow and Tail. It takes the winter-friendly Scotch Ale style and upgrades it with oak chips and a dash of smoked barley. Nice. It's a perfect fireside brew with roasted toffee and molasses in a smooth, comforting dark ale. I'll tell you what, John, that sounds delicious to me. Yeah, I I agree. I'm hoping that if this is not in my event box, that it might still be around uh, when I find out it's not there (laughs) to go go pick up. All right. Um, Yeah, because I'm hesitant to go buy new things as I've got... Uh, surprise beers to open. So. Yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Okay. All right. Number nine is from Amagang Brewing, and it's called the Lovely Dark and Deep. It's an oatmeal stout. Um, it says the upstate New York Belgian brew house has a new winter seasonal and is thankful to see you're not your average winter L. This chocolatey stout leans on roasted barley as well as black wheat for a smooth and comforting beer with a roasted edge. Wow. Uh, that sounds good too. I might need to look for that one myself. Have you had that one? Uh, that one I have not had. Okay. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll have to keep an eye on it, yeah. uh, out for it, because okay. I I think Oma Gang does some some really good brew, uh, beers, and you know, an oatmeal stout would be right up my alley. So okay, all right, sounds good. All right, number ten. Um, from the brewery out of uh, Southern California. I don't know if the brewery distributes very far away. Uh, I don't get them here in the Boise area. Do you get the brewery beers in Washington? Yes. You do? Oh, damn it. All right. Well, this is the Eight mil- eight Maids of Milking. It's an imperial stout. Uh, I don't know. It it looks uh, – it's a, got a big, long written thing. I don't want to read it all, but it looks pretty good. Have you had it? Yeah. So uh, I haven't had this one Uh they're actually doing a like 12 beers of Christmas. Mm-hmm. So that's why this is eight maids of milking. They've been working their way through. Um, I've had the five golden rings. 
oh. uh, beer, which was a, a Belgian blonde, which was excellent. Mm-hmm. Another four capper for me. Mm. Um, I think that's the only one I've had in the series. Uh, they usually come quick and they're expensive and they, they go quick. Uh, okay. but, uh, the brewery does great stuff. So if, if you can find any of them, you know, grab them. So, okay. Yeah. I, I'll tell you that after ha- I've had a couple brewery beers, I had, uh, of course, that one we had at the Great Pumpkin Festival. The, the Autumn Maple. The Autumn Maple. Man, yeah. I love that beer. And I had another one um, from the brewery recently, and I can't remember what it was. Uh, and it was really good also. It was I, Good it was, story. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I don't remember what it was, but I've, I've had two beers from the brewery, and I really enjoyed both the beers. I just can't get it in my area unless they bring in a special, uh, you know, a special keg from, from down there. So... Yeah, all right. I'll, I'll maybe one day the brewery will get big enough. They'll get bought out by a big beer company and they'll be able to <laughs> distribute to my area. That'd be great. All right. Number 11 is from Schmaltz Brewing. It's called the Hebrew Hanukkah Hanukkah Pass the Beer. So, uh yeah, this is a uh, let's see the I don't know. It's a winter warmer style. Have you? I, I don't know if it's a, it's new. I think so. Have you, have you probably haven't had it. I have not had this one. We do get Schmaltz Brewing mm-hmm. uh, in Washington, but I don't think I've seen this one. Um, but I, I think we get more of their year-round stuff. I don't know that we get the a special, lot of their more seasonal. specialty stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, All right. So if you're in the the East Coast uh, area, the the Northern East Coast, you're you'll be able to try this. I know I've had. Most of the stuff I got from small, I, we do get, occasionally we get stuff here, but like you said, it's like only their real big stuff. We don't get a lot of their smaller stuff. Um, but I've had had their beers when I've traveled uh, over to Virginia and New York. All right, number 12 is the from Ninkasi Brewing. It's called the Slayer. And it's a German alt beer, and I have had the Slayer, and it is very, very, very good. It's, uh, I, I mean, I really enjoy this beer. Have, have you had the Slayer? I have. Um, I agree. Another four capper for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, very rich, toasty, bready, you know, malt forward beer. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I think a lot of people associate with, you know, wintertime and, and uh, keeping it warm because this is another one that's you know I think over seven percent alcohol. Yeah, so. yeah, it's over seven. They call it a uh, a dark double alt ale, um, which alt translates to old in German. So it's an old ale style, and it, it's a double. And I don't know, it's great. It's got a lot of good flavor that just warms you up. It's definitely a a, a good winter warmer. So I'm glad it made the list. You know, Oregon beers. There's a lot of good Oregon beers out there. All right, number 13 is from the Ithaca Beer Company. It's called the Cold Front, and it's a Belgian dark ale. Never had it. Have you had it? Uh, I've never had anything from Ithaca. I don't know how widely they distribute. Yeah, so. I don't think I've had anything Ithaca, too, so we're going we're gonna to move on because we can't talk about that one. Um, oh, here's the next one. Number 14 is one of my favorites. Again, you're right, John. Uh you know, the American IPA can be a winter warmer. Uh, Celebration Ale is definitely a winter, is definitely a, an IPA. Uh, from, it's from Sierra Nevada Brewing. It's called Celebration Ale, American IPA. But you know what? This, 
it is an American IPA, but there's something about celebration that makes it more than just a regular IPA, right? It's kind of a, I don't know, it, it's got another flavor that, that gives you more of the, I don't know, makes you feel more warm, gives you that more alcohol amp to it, to the flavor. Yeah, th- this is one that we grab every year. Um, uh, honestly, though, uh, the 2015 version was a bit of a letdown. Oh, I, I, oh, um, I haven't had it yet. For, personally, it, it didn't feel like it lived up to the celebration of, of years past, or maybe I'm just uh, becoming that old crotchety guy. Uh, yeah, that know, could be it. Uh, of yearning for my beers of, of years past, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll still buy it every year. Uh, Sierra Nevada puts out great stuff. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is one I, th- I think is usually a little more pine forward, um, for, for an IPA or mm-hmm. for IPAs. It, uh, sticks with, uh, with that spectrum rather than the citrus or, or, uh, tropical. Mm-hmm. So, okay. All right. So we have one, Last beer, number 15, uh, from a German brewery. Brauer, Brauer, I can't, Schloss Igenberg. And I can't even say the beer. It's called Samalakas. I think it's just Sammy Claus. Oh, Sammy Claus. Oh, I, <laughs> I read too much into it. Sammy Claus. You're right. It's a German. You psyched yourself out. You I know? did. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the name of the brewer. I'm like, I can't even say the name of the brewery, let alone the name of the beer. You're right. It's Sammy Claus. It's a German Doppelbach, Doppelbach, which is Doppelbach. Uh, you know what? I love my Doppelbachs, and uh, I might have to look for this. Uh, it might be good. Uh, yeah, this one I haven't had, um, but in the description, it says it clocks in at 14% alcohol. Wow. So if you can get your hands on this, uh, take it easy. <laughs> yeah, don't drink more than one. 14%. Holy smokes. Wow. That is, uh, yeah. Yeah, let's try to find that. I'll, I'm looking for it now. Now that I know Sammy Claus is out there, I'm going to go find it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, hey, that is the 15, you know, what, what, what men's journal rated the 15 have to try holiday beers this season. Uh, John and I, we at least have uh, tried at least half of them, if not more than half, and we enjoy, you know, most of those beers, if not all of the ones that we've tried. So, hey, go out and try them. You can find a link on our Facebook page. Hey, plug for the Facebook. Go go check us out. All right, John, guess what? It is the end of the show, and it's time that we have the opportunity to raise our glass to Anyone we want to raise our glass to. So is there anyone, John, that you would like to raise your glass to? I would. Uh, we've mentioned him a few times, uh, but raise my glass to Chris McKenzie. He's been helping us out with the Facebook page, uh, getting articles up there, uh, interacting with folks. Um, so big shout out to him. Thank you for all the help. And uh, additionally, uh, literally 20 minutes before we sat down to record tonight, uh, I had a knock on my door, and there was a box of beer sitting there. Uh, <laughs> weather and Chris McKenzie, uh, he's hooking me up with some Ohio uh, beers. There was a uh, some Jackie O's in there, mm. uh, some Thirsty Dog. Uh, I'm blanking on the other two right now, um, <laughs> but they're they're chilling in my fridge. They're getting ready to be drank. Um, and in addition, 
uh, included in there were some coasters and uh, also a Columbus Ale Trail uh, brew book that you uh, get stamps for visiting breweries and, and uh, trying their beers. Oh my God. Uh, around the, the Columbus area. Uh, so, you know, I, I haven't been shy that I, you know, I'm, I'm from, uh, that mid, mid Ohio area. So I, I flipped through this book real quick and, you know, I, I've been out of, uh, Ohio for quite a few years now. Um, but I visited, uh, four of these breweries, uh, and some of these are new that opened up since I left. So, uh, I'm not going to count myself, uh, too accountable. Uh, for these, um, you know, I'm not going to feel too bad, but I, I have, I have drank beer from eight of the breweries listed oh, wow. here. So I think that's pretty good. Um, but, uh, definitely, uh, now I have a list of places I got to try out the next time I'm back home. So, uh, thank you, Chris, or for, uh, sending the beer and, uh, you know, give me a little, little taste of home. And, uh, additionally, uh, Chris is going to celebrate a birthday by the time, uh, we next record. So happy birthday, Chris. All right. Excellent. Well, you know what, Chris, I saw, I, I mean, that's great. I'm really impressed that you were able to send John and I both beer, although I thought I was special, but I guess I'm not so special. You're, now. you're never that special. <laughs> <laughs> and John, I, I hope that one of the Jackie O beers that he sent you was that fire, firefly Amber. Uh, that was pretty uh, good. I think the the Jackie O's was a nut brown. Oh, okay. All right. Well, the Firefly was pretty damn tasty. So when you go back to that to Ohio, you need to go check out the Firefly. I definitely will. Okay. So. All right. Well, you know what? I have a lot of people I want to raise my glass to. I'm going to start with with something that's new to new to the Tap to Craft. Is that now that we have a Facebook page? Guess what? I can see people's birthdays. And today is Alex, Ice Guy Kiddos from the 40 Cast. It's his birthday. Happy birthday, Alex. I want to raise my glass to you. I want to give you best well wishes and a healthy next year and uh, and a cheers to you. Happy birthday, buddy. Also, uh, coming up on a, on a birthday on Monday of uh, December 7th is uh, Derek from the Open Forum Radio Podcast. Derek, happy birthday. And also my buddy Erez from Israel. I know that he listens to the podcast. So, Erez, when you hear this, I want to raise my glass to you. Cheers, buddy. Uh, have have a beer on me. When I come back to Israel, I'll buy you a beer. And then our buddy Tim Price, his birthday is on December 9th. So, happy birthday, Tim. You know, you'll be getting this uh, podcast the day after uh, your birthday. So, yeah, listen to us and you'll hear us uh, give a shout out to you. And Cheers. Yeah. Happy birthday to all of you. Yes, for sure. For sure. And also, I just want to raise my glass to my open forum radio podcast buddies, to Larry, Bill, Terry, Derek. They just completed six years of podcasts and they're starting their seventh season, which is fantastic. I love open forum radio podcasts and they invited me on episode 277 to help celebrate that, uh, you know, that episode one of season seven and it was a great time and i just want to raise my glass to you guys for inviting me on and and for letting me enjoy in you know celebrating the in the celebration of the of the six long years and hopefully there's at least six more years to come and of course 
We mentioned the 40 cast. I love the 40 cast. They have a great podcast. The last couple episodes have had me just rolling on the floor. Uh, we had our buddy Sponge Bobby's on, uh, you know, TPS Sponge was on an episode. And then this last episode was Thanksgiving episode. They had a great bunch of guys from the Dad's Hideout website and or podcast or whatever. I don't remember. I know that they don't like beer. At least one of them doesn't like beer. The other one likes cheap beer. It's okay. I'm sure they're not listening to us, but hey, this is not a shout out to them. It's a shout out to the 40 cast, to my buddy Matt, to my buddy Alex, to my buddy Glovebox, and Mike, and Keith. All you guys out there, uh, raise up my glass to you guys for putting on a great show. So go check out the 40 cast. And- Absolutely. And, and, you know, we, we would never have, uh, connected had it not been for the 40 cast. That's true. So, you know, I- they're partially responsible for this debacle. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Tap the Craft would never be here without the 40 cast. So, hey, give them a listen. Another podcast that I really have been enjoying that I want to raise my glass to, uh, our buddy Nathan uh, from the That's Entertaining podcast. They have been putting out some fantastic Star Wars movie discussions on all the Star Wars movies, the Star Wars television, cartoons, animation stuff, everything Star Wars, leading up to December 18, when The Force Awakens releases. Everyone is looking forward to that movie. And if you also want to get some more information and get some good insight on the Star Wars movies, all the way episode 1 through 6 and everything in between, Give them a listen. They are really good. I have learned so much from that podcast about Star Wars that I never knew. And I lived. I actually went to the, uh, you know, to the, the, the theater showings of Star Wars, the first one. And I actually was on opening day for Empire Strikes Back. It came out in my town I was living in on my birthday. And on my birthday, I had a special, uh, pass to see Empire Strikes Back. It was a special, uh, premiere showing. And, you know, so, you know, I lived through the early shows. I will say that the uh, the the last three that were released were a letdown, and so I'm not letting my hype get the best of me this time around. I'm sure they're going to be better than the last three, but I'm not. You know, my hype is still kind of mellowed because I don't want to get let down like I was with the Phantom Menace. It was a real letdown uh, with that movie. But even after now, years later. I listened to That's Entertaining Podcast, and they have really got me to want to go and watch those movies again before I go see The Force Awakens, just because they're insight. They have some great, great discussions. Go check them out. And the last guys I want to give a toast to are the guys from the Flux to Pose podcast and the Battle of the Beer uh, YouTube page uh, is Jason and Lucas. Uh, they're also some great guys. Go check out their podcast and go check out their Battle of the Beer you want to watch some guys that do beer reviews or, you know, they're not necessarily reviews, but they kind of do a tasting and they battle it out between two beers, go check out their Battle of the Beers on YouTube. They're a great bunch of guys. So I'll raise my glass to all you guys. And, of course, Open Forum Radio. I've already mentioned that uh, Open Forum Radio Network, they support Tap to Craft by providing the hosting space at openformradio.com. So go to openformradio.com. Go check out all the great podcasts that we have to offer. We have a, a wide variety of great hosts and great shows. And, man, you know, I'm not going to forget my brothers in arms, all my servicemen and women out there that are protecting our freedoms, letting John and I get on 
and talk about beer, drink beer, and enjoy beer. Um, hey, thank you for your service. It's appreciated. And uh, just a, a quick little plug. If you want to help support the show, we don't ask for money. We don't ask for donations. We don't ask for beer, although beer is welcome. We will accept beer. But all we do is, hey, if you like what you hear, why don't you go out there and just uh, let everyone else know. Give us an iTunes review. Give us a five-star rating. Little, write a little quick review, a few lines that let other people know what you enjoy. And also, like us on our Facebook page. That will help, you know, if you like our Facebook page, then when we post stuff, then your list, your uh, followers will go ahead and, and see what we're posting, and maybe we'll get some new listeners uh, that way. So, hey, that's all we ask is just support us um, on iTunes and Facebook. That'd be great. And again, I want to remind everyone that for next episode, our tasting notes will be with the Whitmer Brothers Burr. So go out and get some Burr and uh, drink along with us. And if you would like to contact the show, we can be reached through email at tapthecraft at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at tapthecraft, or leave comments on the show post on openforumradio.com, or Google Plus, just search for Tap the Craft. And again, I've already mentioned several times, we do have a Facebook page. It's a community page. We want to get the community involved. So, hey, go find us at facebook.com slash tapthecraft, and like our page, and join along in the conversation. Let us help you through your craft beer journey. And you can follow me personally on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Loose Screw, and on Google Plus at Denny Loose. And John, if the listeners wanted to follow you, how could they do that? On Twitter at Prime Brewing, Untapped, Prime WA, and I write about beer and homebrewing at homebrewengineer.com. Awesome. All right. Well, hey, it's last call. It's time to bring the show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading and listening to the show, and we hope you're able to find Lots of things useful. And we welcome you to subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio or TuneIn Radio and soon Google Play whenever they release podcasts. And as a reminder, we release a new show every two weeks. So now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers. Cheers. Shaver from Open Forum Radio here. Want to go ahead and take a second to say thank you for checking out this episode of Tap the Craft. And I would like to encourage each of you to check out some of the other shows that we have here on the Open Forum Radio Podcast Network. Uh, we'll start it off with the original Open Forum Radio, The 40 Cast, Prove Your Point, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, My Peanut Gallery, The Married Gamers, Some Other Castle, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, just press start, platform junkies, and jobbers on the mic. Hey, be cool. Give a great review to all the shows you like on iTunes, Podbay, Stitcher, everywhere you can give reviews. Review every show five times, and you are officially a good listener. Also, go ahead and visit openforumradio.com, links to all the different shows. Uh, like the Open Forum Radio Facebook page, and... Uh, Take a second, if you like playing games online and with people and are cool, to uh, go ahead and look at Zabari's Gamer Information Spreadsheet. Fully useful information that will do nothing but enhance your online gaming experience. All right, folks, take it easy. Have a good day.